Good morning, everyone, friend and foe alike. Welcome to 30 Minutes with Spyglass Lending. We've got an awesome one today. We've got a great guest, long-term client of my own and good friend. And I got to tell you something. He's going to be very humble today. He really is. I've known him a long time, but I'm not going to let him. We're going we're gonna to get right behind the curtain. Uh, I'm going to brag on him a little bit, and I'm going to see if we can let him do the same for himself. Welcome to the show, Alvin Fung, partner in PM Developments. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you, Aaron, for taking the time. Looking forward to it. No, thank you. I appreciate it. You're a busy man, and you took it out of your schedule to be here with me. Hey, I run this every Thursday at 11 a.m. no matter what, but you're here. We appreciate it. Uh, let's get right to it. You are who? What do you do with PM Developments? What is that? Yeah, so PM Developments has been around since 2004. Um, I became a principal in PM Developments in 2008 after I graduated from uh, my alma mater, uh, UC Santa Barbara. Uh, you know, I thought life had a different path, but it led me to what I do today, and I'm glad it did because I love what I do. I find a ton of value in what I do, and I couldn't be happier doing what I do. What was that life path you thought you were on? So uh, a little a little background. There's uh, three principals in my business in uh, PM Developments. There's myself, my older brother Frank, and um, Argiris, and uh, we all have our own, you know, specific duty and responsibilities in PM development. But quite honestly, prior to joining PM developments, I was going to follow my brother's footsteps and go to law school, become an attorney. Um, I had my eyes set on that. Um, I actually, you know, I took the LSAT, got admitted to a great law school, had my bags packed and decided at the, you know, 25th hour that it just wasn't going to be what I wanted to do. And I pursued a career in something I had no idea about. Okay. <laughs> so you said you just eschewed everything you would work for and, and expected you were doing and was like, hey, you know what? No, thanks. Forget the bar. <laughs> Forget that life of sitting there reading contracts or, or whatever it may have been. Not You wouldn't have been a trial attorney, or would you have? Who knows? That's, Who knows? A, that's another knows life I might but... speculate. Yeah. But it's a whole other life. And it's, it's hard to look back now, right? Here, and, yeah. and so many years later. And you you said you graduated in 2008. So, you know, you're going on essentially your, your 14th, 15th year as a real estate developer. Yeah, I graduated in 07. Okay. So as, as many of us in the real estate world know, that was a year before one of the greatest <laughs> corrections that we've ever had. What a perfect uh, way. I mean, that was your graduate school. Is that fair to say, right? 2008 to 2012? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that, that that gave us the experience that we needed um, in the earlier to so really flourish later in our real estate careers. So um, like everything else, sometimes you can't control timing. You can only control whether or not you're there when the timing occurs. And uh, we were lucky to be there. We saw the down down. And then we kind of wrote it when it was going up. And that leads us today in a, you know, a market where we really aren't sure where things will go. Well, let's, we're going to talk about that in a moment, but I think we need to really set the tone for who you are and what PM Developments does, right? Because everybody's different. I think, you know, before we, anyone listening might otherwise say, well, who are you? Are you a flipper? Do you have, you know, hundreds of units across the country? Are you, you know, what, what do you primarily focus on? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, PM Developments now, today, we specialize in ground-up multifamily residential development, uh, primarily in the Los Angeles area. 
um, we found a niche in the market. We really work to um, be familiar with that niche and find strategies that allow us to implement um, across a, a broad area. Uh, LA is a very broad area, as you can imagine. Um, so for us, we wanted to be able to be experts at a specific area with specific building guidelines and plans and buildings that we know that the public needs. Um, in, so that allowed us to have kind of a strategic advantage so that we didn't have to always reinvent the wheel on every development. Yeah, and I think what's fascinating about you, and you mentioned what well, we talk about multifamily, but a lot of what you do is in that one to four unit space. So the multifamily we're talking about still smaller balance, maybe duplex, triplex, quadplex, right? Do, right. You, do you have anything over a fourplex in anything in the portfolio? We we actually developed a, a couple units or a couple of developments that were greater than four. Mm -hmm. We were met with some challenges with it because it enters in a whole nother lending uh, uh, criteria since it's all commercial. So um, we tend to stay at four units and under. Mm -hmm. That's just our niche. Again, uh, everyone's going to do what they think is best. But for us, we found that working four units and under is really what gives us an advantage as far as lending, sale, and development. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's so interesting you say that, obviously, because it's true, right? Uh, so many developers who want to tackle the big stuff or do the multifamily or small balance multifamily, hey, we're heading to that five unit or 12 unit, 20 unit, or even something that looks like a, a mix, right? A, a mixed use property, residential here, a little retail space, whatever it may be. The financing is so different on the back end. But uh, if you're anywhere in between that one to four, you know, single family all the way to duplex, triplex, quadplex, certainly a lot easier uh, to get the financing, both Fannie, Freddie Mac and and anything that's DSCR. Um, but what's really interesting about PM developments, I'm fascinated by, I always have been, is really the unit mix that you put together, right? I think when most people think of, oh, excuse me, the bed bath count inside the unit mix, when most people think of the units, you know, oh, well, I mean, are they doing studios? Are they doing two bedroom? Maybe a three bedroom. Wow. Wouldn't it be cool if they did a three bedroom? You seem to go well beyond that every time, right? Yeah. Um, as I said, uh, every area is and has its own character. In the area that we develop in, we found that bedroom count was something that we really needed to emphasize. So um, early in our, in our ground up development days, we made a conscious effort um, to maximize bedroom count and bathroom count and restrict general living area. And so a majority of my units are composed of four bedroom or greater. Um, I, I have six bedrooms. Uh, like I said, every area kind of dictates something different. But in our area, we found that people really value high bedroom count. I think that uh, it's a little bit easier to rent. And, and that's just what we really run with. Okay. So who, I mean, five, six bedrooms, who are you really renting to? I mean, are these students that are all together and kind of come through or, or just larger families or who? Yeah, no, we've actually had, uh, we've had one unit that's, you know, pretty close to USC. That was maybe a, a mile and a half. That was predominantly student-based. Mm -hmm. um, we found a lot of success with that, but quite honestly, we rent to families, larger families that are generational. Um, and I'm glad you asked that because I come from a, a generational family, right? Like we're very communal. So uh, I grew up the child of a, a war refugee from Vietnam. You know, my parents came here and when we came here, 
we didn't have a, you know a two bedroom where it was four people living there it was a two bedroom with eight people living there and we got by because we all stuck together and we really helped each other get to the next level so it was really that communal family support that got us to the next level and i think that when you're able to you know when i say generational i'm talking about you have the parent but you don't just have the parent now you have the grandparent and the child this is the village takes the you know it takes a village to raise a child and i'm a firm believer that if you can keep the village close together then you find a lot of success doing that and i find that a lot of our rentals are you know rented by these types of um generational family uh, uh compositions that's wonderful yeah uh, and 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 easily rented, right? I mean, you really haven't had any issues, many vacancies, or getting anybody in there. I mean, every time you 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 build one of these or do these massive renovations, you you're quickly renting them. Is that fair to say? Uh, it's fair to say. I think the rental market in Southern California has been quite hot. I you know, explosive. Like, we can use that word. <laughs> like everywhere else in the world, I guess uh, sure. rents are, are pretty warm. Um, but at the end of the day, if you build a good product and you're fair to your tenants and you really have everyone's interest at hand, mm -hmm. uh, and while it's challenging to do so, I think when you do operate that way, you have success. And that goes from how we treat our tenants, how they treat us, how we treat our property managers. Um, we really do try to present a really fair way to operate our business. Uh, how many do you retain, right? I mean, are some of them probably too good of a deal to pass up. Wow. We did such an incredible job. Other investors are coming to us after you're done and like, I'd like to buy this. I'd like to pick this up, take this off your hands and paying yeah. your premium for it. Does that happen here and there? Or are you keeping everything in portfolio? Um, you know, uh, for the first 10 years of our development careers, uh, we did sell a majority of our, our property. Uh, I'd say in the last five years, we've had a lot, uh, more emphasis in our hold, And, um, it's not that I don't sell, I do, but these are assets that we work very hard to create. Uh, before we create them, they're dirt. I mean, it's flat land, not all the time, but majority of the time it's flat land mm -hmm. that we put our uh, sweat and equity into to develop. And when it's up, it's hard to let go sometimes. Uh, they give good returns, but at the end of the day, like there's a lot of pride and ownership. Like we really are prideful in what we build and we do get approached by other investors who want that retail product. And occasionally we will let product go. If, you know, if the, the climate's right and we need to move on from a project, maybe there's something greater at hand, then we will. If not, we just hang on rent and, and we move on from there. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you finance these projects, right? Because you talk about it being dirt or maybe not yet quite dirt, but uh, perhaps a house or unit mix already that is ripe for uh, bringing back down to the ground and, and, and a total rebuild. How does it start for you? How, how do you put these together in, on your side with the financing, if you don't mind talking about that? Yeah, so we actually, um, and I guess this is, it's really, it's really important to understand. Uh, my family, we didn't really come for much. Uh, my, like I said earlier, my mom and dad were war refugees from Vietnam. Mm. Um, it didn't start with a, a trust fund we worked for every penny we got but yeah. in the beginning we uh we developed a really interesting debt equity structure we had private investors who trusted us we performed but instead of spending all of our you know distributing and spending all of our income that we earned our net profits we reinvested and 
one project turned to 10, turned to 20 and so on. And we were able to really build our pot of equity. And from that pot of equity today, that's actually where we develop from. Uh, we have very few outside investors. Uh, we have very little uh, initial debt. Um, we're very low leveraged. I, I believe in trying to be as low leveraged as possible, being very conservative with our investment. And then from, from there, once we develop, we have great references and, you know, um, you know, people just like you, Aaron, or specifically you who help us refinance out and, and cash out of these properties so that we can move on to the next. Yeah. And I can attest to your conservatism and that uh, <laughs> you want to keep that leverage low uh, and the cash out you're using ultimately just taking a little bit back so you can essentially roll forward and right. uh, source something else and put it right back into the business. I mean, uh, no one's taking out any cash and going on any vacations here. This is about continuing to build and, and putting the unit mix on the board. Um, what's the goal? I mean, how many units do you want to end up at or is, or is the sky the limit here? You know, uh, you know, being comfortable in your life is one thing and then having goals is another. Um, they're not always mutually exclusive, but once you push past the comfort level and your goal kind of changes your lifestyle, it's time to reflect in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and we didn't get into this earlier, but uh, I, I've been lucky enough to be able to work in other business ventures uh, because of real estate. Um, you know, Aaron, you know this, but I'm a big martial artist. Uh, I opened my own martial arts school in Seal Beach. Yeah. Um, this is something that I couldn't have done without the capital for my real estate company. But this type of activity keeps me sane, keeps me happy. Keeps you got to have the outlet. <laughs> yeah, it, it gives me something to work for so that I can give back to the community in my own way. And uh, we, you know, uh, so once that happened, I was able to kind of reset my goals. What do I want? Am I really just earning to get more material things or am I earning more to provide something greater in my own vision? And for me, I've been able to do that. And so right now, as long as we continue our pace and we're conservative in our approach, because I'm really conservative in our approach, um, I think we'll be fine. But yeah, it, it's tough. I don't know where this, I don't know where this, the limit is. You know, I feel like every year it kind of ratchets it up. Mm. But again, when you feel like it's getting a little too high, you got to bring it down, reassess and really determine what's right for you and your family and um, your business at that time. I love it. I mean, because, you know, what you're describing is tremendous because, you know, it's it's one thing for all of us as investors or as lenders or as business individuals to look at our quarterly P&Ls and say, hey, what am I doing here? But you look at it from uh, a light, a whole life perspective, right? Like it's, it's yeah. like, you know, what, what can I do? What's the bandwidth to then take this and not only make the money and continue to, to add Unimix, but how, how am I also having time to give back to the community uh, and be part of it and, and have a life for yourself as well? I mean, you're a father yourself as well, right? Yeah. We, we, Aaron and I share something in common. We're both fathers to twins. Yes. So uh, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of work, obviously, as any parent can imagine, but it's, you know, your bandwidth is your bandwidth mm -hmm. and where you take out of one pot, you put into another pot, it, it, it all balances out at some point. So, um, as long as I am able to keep my priorities focused on what I want to do, then we're fine, you know, but it, my priority is always my family 
and the people that are principal to me in my business, those are always my priorities. Um, earning is obviously a reward of it all and it, what enables a lot of it, but I just try not to lose sight of what's really important. I've known you a long time. I have never seen you lose sight for one second. So I appreciate that. Appreciate that. By the way, before we move on, and we're going to talk a little bit about the market itself or where you think it's heading. Uh, give us a little plug. What is the name of your studio down there in Seal Beach? <laughs> it's Dojo by Leo Vieira. It's a jiu-jitsu school. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been practicing jiu-jitsu, by the way? I've been practicing since 2013. Yeah, that's so long enough that if I ever run into you, I'm not going to run across. <laughs> if I ever see you in person again, I, 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 I'm going to make sure every one of your loans is. Well, I'm a teddy bear. No, I'm a teddy bear, man. <laughs> you definitely are. And I appreciate that about you. It, it, it teaches you a lot on the mat, but um, a lot of those lessons are applied to my daily business, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. It's uh, learning how to operate under pressure learning what the best exit is in a bad situation. And sometimes understanding there is no exit and you just got to take the L and you got to, for the next time, you just got to learn. Let's not get back there. And um, so. I can say we, we haven't even been on for 20 minutes. You've dropped a lot of words of wisdom already. And I, I appreciate that. And anybody listening, I think should appreciate it as well. Believe me, this man knows what he's talking about. Uh, so on that note, let's talk about the market where you see it heading. Obviously, uh, crazy, just madness since, you know, January of this year. Uh, obviously, I can attest to the interest rate rise, right? Like interest rates have essentially doubled in, in five months. Yeah. Um, prices through the roof, you know, tripled since 2000, but certainly towards the end of the pandemic and in the last 18 months, just explosive, insane rents have skyrocketed. So that's uh, wonderful news for you. But of course, we're all dealing with the other side of the equation and what that means. You know, lumber tripled for a long time, now coming back down, the cost of everybody working for you, you know, everybody wants to get paid more, certainly supply chain issues. I mean, what what are you mostly focused on to, to get through this and where do you see it all heading? Yeah, um, like no one has, a, every, every person in our industry will say the same, no one has the crystal ball. Um, you operate on a position of, of I like you can either extend your risk and possibly lose, mm -hmm. or you pull back and you're ultra conservative and you just gotta survive. And uh, I feel like, you know, it's a mixture of both probably where um, I think there's gonna be a lot of opportunity in the next 18 months uh, for, for multiple markets, the development market, for the holding market, for the commercial market. I think there will be a lot of opportunity, but I think you have to be pretty critical and, be, and have a really uh, extent, uh, expansive view on what you're getting into. Um, there's no there's no fast money. You know, you're gonna get caught if you go out and try to make fast money. You know, mm -hmm. be masters of what you do, like what we do, try to find every angle and make sure that those angles are covered. And so if you understand like, yeah, lumber's going to go up, but fine, retail prices have gone up. So if your exit strategy is sale, then yeah, sure, your acquisition and your development have cost more, but you are making it on the other side. Now, let's say the market turns. Your acquisition, your development, let's say you took too long or you just six months happen and things turn for the wrong way. Mm. Well, I'm going to read between the lines here and 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 go with what you're saying here that you think opportunity the word opportunity coming perhaps in the next uh, year year and a half you may otherwise feel like some people are certainly going to be in trouble 
there's uh, there's a recession on the horizon, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know when when we talk like that, as investors, when we talk like that as lenders, the expectation is, uh oh, there's a softening in the market one way, which creates opportunity another, certainly. Yeah. And you you feel this way? I do. Yeah, I do. I I don't think that prices can continue to rise while everything else is weakening. So um, there's no there's no surprise. I mean, liquidity is such a huge part of this market. And once liquidity is taken away from buyers, prices have to go down. Yep. It can't afford 3% down payments. This is just, this is just real, the real life. So prices may soften, but from the real, from the investor perspective, Aaron, you and I were just talking about this. The ball has to roll mm -hmm. where we were spoiled at 3%. Yeah. Guess what guys, you were spoiled. And that's okay. If you were spoiled and you're reaping the benefits of it at 3%, great. But the ball rolls at 6%, 5%, whatever it is. If that's where you're refining out at, that's where you're refining out at. Yeah. As long as you have the capacity to hold. And that's where I keep on coming back to our let your leverage position is your rental position. Do you have the plan B? Not everyone thinks that that uh far ahead and, and some people are just seeing the one option of the retail sale i develop i sell but have the backup position if you can't sell if the market turns a little are you able to cover your expenses are you able to cover your hold are you able to cover your development if you are you'll be all right will you make what you thought you're going to make probably not but you'll be able to survive you'll be able to be involved in the market when it does matter again and when you are able to capitalize on the market yeah and that, and and to your point about the the last thing you just said obviously because a big part of, uh, of 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 what i heard you say certainly is hey prepare for the worst but uh expect something good too like sure counts right because there are opportunities i mean it's so interesting you know having like the conservative approach on something and feeling it but like you know a, a lot of the uh conservative people i know yourself included are also amazing at pouncing on opportunities and, sure. and being a little taking on the risk because doing what you're doing, I mean, itself is, is already a massive risk. And I think a lot of people oh. need to understand that. I mean, to be a developer, you know, what it is every night to think about, <laughs> you know, everything across the board and the money you're spending and, you know, just debt servicing something or even the utilities. I mean, until something is fully refinanced and fully, you know, uh, put, uh, ten, excuse me, Put, have tenants in place, right? And and it's completely done. You know, there's always the thought. And even when they're in place, you're always thinking, hey, what's my new vacancy rate? Or what what happens if if this changes or rents do go down or people leave or a pandemic hits and there's a moratorium on evictions and people don't pay? I mean, this is always on top of mind. There's there's no there's no investment that doesn't come without risk. Yep. It's your ability, what makes you successful is your ability to assess the risk. I bring this back to training jujitsu. Look, I can't go out and do something that has a higher risk. I'll lose. Yep. I have to go out and be confident in what I do. And I need to understand the risk of what I do. It's that assessment of risk that makes me good at what I do. And so, and that allows you to see all the different angles. So yeah, the next 18 months, Aaron, you're, you're right. I, no one does know. There are certain indicators that would probably say that we are heading towards what you're saying, uh, you know, a recession and every equity market is going to suffer for it. 
But if you're able to survive, anticipate when is a good time to participate and have options once you participate as far as retail sale, once your development's done or hold and rent, then you're okay. This, the equation is not ultra difficult. It's not complex. It's an assessment of risk and uh, the ability to move with the market as it moves. That's it. The complexity is keeping on the party line, really, because again, like you said, it's really, it's not that hard. I mean, if you just know what it is, it's, oh, it's just often staying like, this is what it is. I mean, yeah, you often have to change systems, change whatever, but if you have that business plan in place and you know that that's what works, I mean, that's what you've been so wonderful at you and, and, and your partners. I mean, it's always the same thing and you're always keeping the same thing in line of sight. Uh, and not veering one way or the other. Now, yes, you're always paying attention to what's going on with the market, or you take the opportunities when you can. But to your point, I mean, really, if you can just stay focused, uh, then then everything's going to be okay. And that kind of brings us to where what's happening now and what we can expect on the horizon, because it's the writing's been on the wall for a long time. I, everyone should know you can't go the 12 to 14 year run that we've been on without there being some sort of fallout. And there's going to be everyone knows or should be paying attention that you can't flood trillions of dollars in the market like the Federal Reserve did over the past couple of years and put over 20 percent of all money in circulation, you know, in a two year span since since these since money began in circulation without some sort of fallout. And now, of course, here we are heading into our fifth month of uh, what is going to be very high inflation because it's not two or three percent or even four percent. We're seeing well over eight percent. Right. And the Fed was already telling us close to six months ago, we're going to raise the rates uh, in the year 2022. Prepare for that. And we're going to raise it a number of times. And we're going to dump the paper, the nine trillion that's sitting on our books as opposed to actually buying it from the banks anymore. Pay attention. And everybody should have said, yeah, well, that means something. Oh, everybody was just like, well, it's just the time for that. But now really pay attention, especially what happened in yesterday's session, the 75 bit hike. That's a lot. And they said they wouldn't do that. Right. Just not that long ago. It was like, don't worry, 75 bips isn't really on the horizon and we're not going to do it up. Oh, we're doing that. And they're doing it now in June, not October, not November, December, whatever it may be. It's here already. And that should bring the alarm bells off. The, the, the jig is up. Right. I mean, <laughs> it, we're, 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 we're heading towards something. Uh, no, no question about it. It is a, but like I've said before, if your fundamentals are right, then whether or not rates have gone from three to six, which they did, if your fundamentals are right, while your profit might go down, you're not in the red. Right. So your business operates, you get your financing, you hold, you maybe don't earn the cap you think, or you, you, know, you, know, you don't earn the cash return you that you think, but you still have a great asset. You're still working forward and you're still moving on. So as long as you change your expectations in these times, then you're able to survive. If you're overly risky, then yeah, you will hurt and you will not be in a positive position. You might not even be in a negative position or a neutral position. You probably will be in the red. But if your criteria is sound, you have a chance to make it and that's all you can do. Are you looking at other markets? Is LA only where you remain and, and you're staying focused or no. are, you, are you looking outside anywhere? Yeah, no, it's a good, uh, you know, I've been blessed in my whole career as a real estate developer to have many, many mentors, my brother, my business partner, our gears, even though they're my partners, they're my, they're mentors. Like they've taught me everything I know, but before them, 
it, we had another mentor, Andrew. And Andrew taught us. I mean, Andrew was the mentor. And he taught my brother and he taught our gearist. And they gave me the knowledge. But my other mentor is my father-in-law. And uh, he's commercial real estate guy, you know, and uh, he turned his uh, normal business into commercial real estate holdings. Um, he was really intelligent about the way he exchanged his property, really had great fundamentals when purchasing commercial property. And so when we do sell our properties in LA, sometimes I will venture off and um, find exchanges in out of state uh, properties and commercial property out of state. So we have done that. We own, you know, some in, you know, um, Wisconsin and Missouri and, you know, those are really interesting properties that we like. And Speaking yeah, cap rates, I bet they look a lot better there than they do here. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, I feel like that it's a great way to diversify into different markets. You have, you know, national credit tenants, you have multifamily residential families, you know, as your tenants, you know, you just want some diversity. So one, you know, pot starts to decline a little, maybe the other one fills up and you just try to keep everything level. And, and, and you do it and you do it so well. Uh, well, appreciate all of this. Alvin Fung stopping by today on 30 Minutes with Spyglass Lending. Our 30 minutes is up. It goes quick, I'm telling you. Dropping a, not, a lot of knowledge. Greatly appreciated. Uh, you know, you're kicking ass. And I'm sure you're going to continue to for a long and time. And Aaron, yeah, like, like, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, we, my Frank, myself, and our gears, we really always have appreciated everything you've done for us. You always go above and beyond. And, uh, it, it, you know, this human connection is really what it's about. And you're, you're a master at that. So thank you for all your help. Brother. Thank you for saying so, Alvin. I, I greatly appreciate it. I'm looking forward to uh, continuing that connection for, for a very long time. So sounds good. Again, we will talk shortly. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Alvin. See you.